Hey everybody, this is Marina, your podcast host at Unbossed. Here we go. At Unbossed, I interview amazing women in Chicago. There's so much woman power in this city that I want to provide these women a platform to tell their story. Please connect with us and please consider supporting by sharing, liking, commenting the podcast. Tell all your Netflix friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for our guest. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. I hope you enjoy and welcome to the show. Um, hey, everybody, this is Marina, your podcast host at Ombust. Today, my special guest is Pam Buchanan. She is the founder of Everly James. Welcome, Pam. Pam. Hi, how are you, Marina? How are you? Good. Thank Good. you for coming. Good. Thank you for having me. I, um, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast because you are, um, you have had such a awesome professional career and you have reinvented yourself and this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today even um and before we get there um tell us a little bit about you i know you uh grew up in the midwest um what was it like being pam young young early days a young pam in the (laughs) early days well i grew up in a small town um in illinois but i thought it was the big city because we were the county seat so Got we it. were the big guys in the surrounding area, yeah. uh, a little town called Paris. So again, I thought, oh, how wonderful, you know, we could <laughs> pretend we're in Paris, France. Uh, I have an identical twin sister, wow. uh, which is unique, uh, and a younger, uh, younger city, uh, as a younger sister. But we, we grew up with a normal childhood and running and playing and you know, making friends and um, excited, you know, to go to school and then graduate high school and go on to college. And again, I went to college in the Midwest, um, Indiana University. University. Yeah. Um, And uh, then get to the real big city, which was Chicago. So I left college uh, one day and I was in Chicago the next looking for a job. And so did you choose like any young woman to move in the city and try your adventure at the big city lights and all that? Yeah, yeah. I was so excited. My dad had lived in Chicago for a while when Mm -hmm. he was younger. Um, So I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, I had college friends that lived in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So we were all going to be roommates and, you know, um, have four, four people in a two bedroom apartment and live the the big city life. <laughs> oh, what? How did we get to working for NASDAQ? And so, by we, I mean you. I don't know. Why. Yeah, I no, no. Um, no, it was a wonderful uh, adventure. I actually um, started in the brokerage industry. So I um, interviewed and wanted to be, my dad was in the grain business. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be a commodity broker? And Mm -hmm. back in the day that was, you know, male dominated. And my dad had said, why don't you, you know, more career opportunities if you are a stockbroker versus just focus on one asset class, which was commodities. So I interviewed and got a job with one of the big brokerage firms and um, got my license and then decided, hmm, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I'm going to move to New York because I wanted to be in a bigger city and <laughs> headquarters. And 
Um, one day I was out uh, with a group of friends and met someone that uh, worked for a mutual fund company. And back then that was a new asset class and um, they were hiring and uh, wanted to interview me for an opportunity there. So I interviewed and, um, you know, really was excited about that opportunity because one, it was, again, building out a team uh, of people to service, you know, a fairly new asset class in terms of mutual funds. So I, I was there 18 years and grew in responsibilities and, you know, the markets are ever evolving. And so it was a real dynamic career. Every day was a different day. I traveled extensively, um, you know, to the West Coast, the East Coast. I had clients all over and managed people. And it, it was a great, great career uh, for 18 years. And yeah. then, you know, I got a little burnt out from the travel. Um, and thought, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, so I don't want to say it was a midlife crisis, but I was in my midlife. And uh, so I said, I'm going to, you know, uh, see what I can do without another job. I uh, left. Um, and many people were like, oh, you can't leave. This is a great job. And I said, I know it's a great job, but I want to explore other opportunities. So I'm one of those that even if it was great, it I don't want to say it got boring, but I, I it was I needed to expand my skill set, maybe move to another, you know, east, west coast, um, you know, do a different industry. Um but didn't really want to stay and, you know, mm -hmm. be like dad and stay, you know, 40 years in one, <laughs> one career, even though it was a great career. Yeah. So that's where, again, um, I had, you know, uh, reached out to various companies and headhunters had been calling and NASDAQ came calling. So, in uh, which was, again, you talk about dynamic and on the cutting edge. And so they offered me a position in the Midwest and I turned it down. Cool. And uh, I said, you know, I really want to be on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be in California. I've not tried to live in a different city. You know, I've lived, you know, in Chicago for the past 20 years. Uh, and I really want to explore a different city. And so they came back to me and said, you know what? We love you so much. We're going to create a new position for you out in San Francisco. Nice. I'm like, wow. Okay. So um, I moved out to San Francisco. Um, my territory, I was developing new business for them, uh, going out and meeting um, entrepreneurs, small companies, um, bankers, lawyers, the whole ecosystem in building companies. And it was fascinating. And my territory included LA, San Diego, Phoenix, Colorado, um, you know, Vegas. I mean, it was a fun territory. You couldn't have asked for a better territory. And of course, I was right in the heart of Silicon Valley. Yes. Where it was all uh, happening. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and we want to definitely get to that. Um, Let's first talk about the concept that you've, you know, we've already uh, briefly discussed before, which is the, the concept of the career woman, right? Mm -hmm. And, and um, how you were OG, the career woman, yes. <laughs> I think before it even was called a thing, it yes. was, was a thing. So tell me about your perspective during that time. Um of, of, you know, being in the midst of thing, working with mostly, you know, male dominated environment, mm -hmm. 
um, being a woman, um, how was that for you? You know, in the beginning, and this was in the 80s, so it was definitely male-dominated culture, um, but we were naive to a certain uh, respect. Um, you know, you were, this is normal, right? This is normal. Um, you know, I'm going to be a woman that fits in with the male culture. They're going to accept me. And for the most part, I want to say they did, but there's still little differences how they treat a woman versus a man in, yeah. in, in, in any culture. I think yeah. it was, it was, um, it wasn't difficult, but it was eye opening. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I spoke my mind, which I would encourage anyone out there that is starting a career in the middle of their career, you know, make sure that you are speaking your mind and your truth. And of course, in a, you know, in an articulate, non-threatening way, um, you know, sitting down with the people you're involved with. And if there's differences of opinion, um, if, if you want to be heard, uh, or you think you're not being heard, you know, ask for that promotion, um, ask for your opinion to be heard. And if you're not in that culture where you're going to be accepted and heard, sometimes you can't change that culture and it's better to move on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I, because I did progress at Kemper, I, uh, you know, started in a, I want to call it an entry level position where you're on the phones um, all the way up to being a senior vice president running a division of mm -hmm. the company. Yeah. So I had great career opportunities. So I don't want to say that, it, you know, that did not inhibit me being a woman from progressing and I was recognized. But part of it, I think I, I did speak my mind. Mm -hmm. Did you find that your um, your career progression was at par with some of your male peers as well? I, I did. I did. Mm -hmm. And this is in the financial services industry. So it wasn't a, a you know, a, a Merrill Lynch brokerage, which back in the day you did have women, but it was still that male dominated culture. And, um, you know, the boys were going out here and the boys were doing this and it wasn't all inclusive. Uh, for me, I started with a group of peers and I did feel we were all equal. Mm -hmm. So we were on the phones, we were talking and, and I did get promoted on my merits mm -hmm. um, and other women did get promoted. And nice. in fact, um, I don't know if the stars had aligned, but, you know, I would be approached from my management and say, oh, we want you to take on this role. And sometimes I'm like, I don't think I'm quite ready. That's, that's not quite what the role is. Pam, you're ready. We're going to put you in. <laughs> so it was almost like they pushed me, kept pushing me to take right. that next role. Um, and back in the day, um, they wanted to open a new division and focus on financial institutions, the banking <laughs> world. And I said, you know, I, I don't even have a checking account. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm new age. I, you know, I don't go to into the bank branches and sit and have coffee with people. And they go, that's okay. It's, you know, we trust that you will learn yeah. and grow into the role. So I, I have to say I was pretty blessed nice. in those careers and didn't face too many, you know, major obstacles. But yeah. I did keep speaking my mind. And I think that really, really benefited me. I, okay. I came across as a strong woman and competent. Yeah. 
what what is the um recipe that you you've highlighted it twice what is the recipe of speaking your mind you said articulate to being articulate about it potentially uh you also said uh non-threatening correct um what is the recipe that you use in order to create you know i think you create a certain level of confidence as well as conviction right when Mm -hmm. you do that yes Um, what have you found to be successful I, I think that when you know yourself and you really are grounded, mm. you know, I would recommend, you know, if you do want to speak out and mm. you're not exactly sure, mm. you will come off as unsure. And that's where, whether it's the male or even if you had a female management team, they might sense that if you come off unsure mm-hmm. um, and disregard your comments your approach so you really do have to be grounded in that belief of what you're saying is your truth and it will be better for the organization that's another thing it can't come off as oh it's just about me i want this promotion or hear my opinion because my opinion is better than your opinion it's about the company right Mm -hmm. and you can Say, listen, I here's a here's a thought I had, and I think this will bring in more revenue if we approach it this way. Now, not every time is your opinion or thought suggestion going to be taken um, because there's many voices in the room. But you want to know that you were heard, you you were part of that conversation. Mm, I like that. And don't sit back. You know, don't sit back and wait to be invited. Mm. you have to jump right in because Mm. if you look at the males, that's what they do. They jump Mm. right in Mm. and they come off confident sometimes, even when they're not like Mm. they, I tell people all the time, men sometimes exaggerate what they've done or their potential. You know, they talk big, right? And that's just their culture, their language. And it's not like they're lying, but they're stretching, you know? And yeah. so women underplay our strengths. Yeah. And we're timid to, you know, what's, say, what's oh, about? I'm really good. <laughs> I think it's, you know, especially in the generation, it's it's how you were raised and the culture mm-hmm. around you. You know, the men, you know, I don't want to use the word empower, but, you know, the men went to work, they earned the money, you know, we'll sit back and be taken care of. Well, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. You can take care of yourself. You have earning potential and you can have a career, you can have a family, a relationship, and and I don't want to say do it all, but but that old phrase, right? We can do it all, but we can do it all. Mm-hmm. Women are capable of making a living and sustaining themselves. And I think that's so, so important that yeah. you want to have your earning potential. And also when you are working and contributing and feeling you know, empowered and good about what you're doing, it does boost your Mm self-confidence. It really does. So, Mm -hmm. so I advise all women to seek out what they're passionate about and Mm -hmm. that they don't have to sit back. And because when you're in your power, it feels really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's, I took a pause from talking because that needed a lot of space to be heard. I hope everybody um, listening has internalized 
this so needed um, and to show up as leaders every day. So, yes, thank show you. up as leaders. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Show up as leaders. And it takes practice, right? And yeah. you know, no one's quote unquote ready. Look at my yeah. career. You know, in the beginning, I was blessed to have uh, bosses that believed in me. Mm. And one time, you know, the head boss flew by my you know cubicle and he said, I can't do a presentation. It's in 15 minutes, um, you know, jump in a cab and go to this hotel and speak to a hundred brokers. I'm like, I, I never have spoken in front of a group. I can't, no, 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 you're doing it. And I'll see you later. I've got to run. <laughs> so again, I was always forced, you know, and, and, but I had that confidence and backing of my management team. So that is important that they believe in you as well, but you first have to go out and say, I believe in myself and here's what I can contribute. So obviously he had seen something in me that knew I could stand up and in 15 minutes give a presentation. Now he gave me the, the speech, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. I have to read off the cue cards, but you know, the overall uh, presentation. Yeah. Uh, and yes, was I nervous? Yes, but you just put one foot in front of the other. You, you take a deep breath and you stand up. So, you know, we, we sat down, we're at the table, but now let's stand up and present ourselves. I love it. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, and what are some of the lessons that you have learned throughout your career? Um, uh, in terms of working up the ladder specifically, like we know there's a big drop off of women, middle management, um, and that don't actually, they don't make it up to, up the ranks. Right. So mm -hmm. we see a lot of, a lot less percentages up in C-level boards and things like that. So what are some of the lessons that you have learned from working yourself up? I think that number one, you have to come across as open for new possibilities and that you're in the game, if you will, uh, that you're you know, committed to the company, you're committed to the cause, um, you want to learn. And if someone comes by and says, hey, can you work on this project? You say, absolutely, I'm ready for a new challenge. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect at it. So if your boss comes by and offers you opportunities, you know, sit down and discuss that with them. But no one, you're, you're not going to know, even, even if you're qualified and skilled, it doesn't mean you know everything, right? I mean, you're always learning. You hope yeah. to put yourself in a position where you're always learning and growing. But yeah. You want to present yourself as that. You don't want to box yourself into, okay, I took this role and this is the only role I'm going to perform. And don't ask me to do an additional project because, you know, that's not within my role. Well, if you do additional projects or you, again, offer, you know, I'll be on that team to help, you know, solve that problem. That's going to position you as wanting to learn, being curious um, and committed to the company's growth. When do you say no? Or You know, you say no if if someone is abusive of your time. Right. And and if you internally are feeling that they're just you know, taking advantage of you, you know, sit down and have that discussion. Um, let's say you're the only team member working till nine o'clock at night. You know, you want to say, listen, you know, I feel like, you know, I have the bulk of the project. 
is there a way we can distribute it or, you know, what's going on? And, you know, I want to be a part of the, the bigger cause, but not the one and only, um, you Shoulder know, it. committed, committed to it. Yeah. So if you do feel that, um, you know, do speak up, but yeah. then again, remember your position. If you're newer and you're learning and you're growing the, I feel the only way you can do that, um, you know, to make a big impact for your growth is to do the actual work. Mm -hmm. You know how they say the UPS drivers, right? Mm -hmm. The UPS uh, individuals, they start delivering because UPS wants the people to know every part of the of their business. Yeah. And, you know, when you're new too, so if you're younger, you mm -hmm. can ask a hundred questions. And people are going to view that not as, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing, but, oh, she's curious. Yeah. So flip that. I find in the younger generation, sometimes they're afraid to ask that question that they will come mm -hmm. off not knowing something. Of yeah. course, there's basics that you want to be able to know. But if there's things that are new or you don't understand or the just culture ask. or just ask, and that's going to really, truly be seen as, wow. She's interested in this and, and everyone wants to help, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're built to want to help. So yeah. I love, you know, helping young, young individuals, women, men and, and their careers. And it, it does make me feel like I'm contributing back. Mm -hmm. So I think when you have a structure where, you know, there is a senior person, a junior person, you know, a, a entry level person, you know, there you have access to all this knowledge and it's going to be knowledge that is more important than your college books, Absolutely. right? You know, it's a dynamic process. Mm -hmm. It's not a flat process. And I think sometimes individuals go in and think, oh, the computer's in front of me. I can learn and ask the questions or my book's in front of me. No, ask the human that's in mm -hmm. front of you, you yes. know, because you're going to get more of the nuances involved. You're going to get that person's experience. Um, and as they say, it's not always what's written in the book. So <laughs> you have to be flexible and open. That's another key is just be yes. flexible and open. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. So, it, which, by the way, took you to being flexible and open, took you to the center of Silicon Valley. Yes, it did. Accelerate quickly here because I want to make sure um, that we get to your current company. But yes. um, a few anecdotes from your experience at NASDAQ. I know I have heard you may have talked to high profile individuals. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, again, I feel. Uh, immensely blessed, uh, that, you know, I was, you know, able to get this job, you know, and move out to Silicon Valley. I don't even think when it was happening, I was realizing how impactful that would be to my career and meeting new people, you know, and I was very nervous. I didn't adapt to change as well as I wanted to. Um, you know, I was hesitant, um, you know, but you have to jump in, embrace the new culture, um, embrace the new company and um, it offered me so many great opportunities to meet people not only from Elon Musk and yes I did sit down and have numerous conversations with Elon probably before anyone knew who Elon was um, and they knew him out in Silicon Valley um, you know and I took Facebook public so got to know that whole culture and dynamic 
Uh, I can't say no Mark Zuckerberg because he did not want to be, you know, um, part of the IPO process. Mm. Um, but it was fascinating uh, meeting with all different levels of people and, you know, with PhDs and new ideas. And even if I didn't understand it, because I didn't understand technology that well. Mm -hmm. um, and you think you go in, but you're the expert in your field. Mm -hmm. They're the expert in their ideas and what they're doing, but they want to hear your knowledge. Yeah. And even Elon Musk, he would sit down and he would say, okay, tell me how the markets work. I don't know how the markets work. You know, if Elon Musk can say, I don't know how the markets work in the very, very beginning, and he was mm -hmm. looking to take his company public, you know, you want to come out with that growth mindset. And that really stayed with me. Right. Yeah, and many of the CEOs, founders I I worked with would say, you know, I don't know how the markets work. Tell me about this process. Yeah. So they knew their, you know, what they were doing, building all sorts of new gadgets or back end technologies to make things work. Um, but they didn't know the market. So that encouraged me, I guess, and made me stronger. I know, you know, this side of the business, they know that side of the business. And I think, again, the entrepreneur mindset, being curious, being open and open to learning mm. new ideas. So um, it was fascinating. Uh, nice. the, whole, the whole I was out in Silicon Valley for eight years and uh, it was it was fascinating. And yes, I will say Elon Musk was probably um, <laughs> cherry on top. Right. So getting to work with him and, and Tesla at the time. Yeah, but I met him at his at his SpaceX office. So I was building rockets. <laughs> that is such a cool experience to think about, um, to think back about. And also, I'm very so impressed with how you switched from, you know, being at the top of your career into starting your own business. And I definitely want to hear about that transition and that yeah. how it came about. But before we leave the NASDAQ. At this point, my internet completely gave up and we had to reschedule the next half of the interview. So keep listening and thank you for listening to Unlost. Hey, everybody. And we are back. Um, like you have heard from my, uh, my cotton intro, we had some technical difficulties, so we had to restart today. So thank you, Pam, so much for being gracious about this and understanding technical difficulties. No <laughs> problem. <laughs> pleasure. Um, and, um, so where we left off, um, we were talking about NASDAQ and your role at NASDAQ. So obviously you mentioned you. You met Elon Musk, and you took that. You helped take it, take the pub, company public, as well as Facebook. And you were in the middle of San Francisco, and I was just wanting to understand for the audience that doesn't know what Nasdaq does. He's like, what is Nasdaq, and what is the role of this company, and what was your role within that company? Yeah, great question. So um, Nasdaq is a trading venue, so it's an electronic trading exchange. Um, and I was responsible for new business, meaning I would go out and work with privately held companies uh, that were looking to list, looking to um, IPO, which IPO is initial public offering. Um, and it's an exciting time in a company's life. And I got to meet amazing uh, founders and, you know, get involved in their businesses and the process. And it was, um, you know, 
competitive um, in the fact that, you know, I competed against the New York Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and when you go public, you have a choice to either list on New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. So it really was a sales role and yeah. convincing um, the company that NASDAQ is the best trading venue and best overall partner for them in the long term. Um, so it was fun and challenging and dynamic and it kept me very, very busy. Yeah. What are some of the technical details behind this type of choice? And not not so much for people listening, but just getting an understand a deeper understanding of like what are some um pros and cons that you have seen without having to pick side necessarily, but are what are some of the how would someone make some of these choices? Yeah. Great, great question. Um, you know, they really looked at, okay, how is my stock going to be traded? And mm -hmm. on the New York Stock Exchange, there was still a, an outcry system, if you will. There were people on the trading floor, you know, um, bidding and asking and, and doing that physical exchange of stocks. Whereas NASDAQ is purely electronic and obviously a little bit more efficient um, than, you know, person to person uh, type of trading. Now, not to say that the New York Stock Exchange did not have electronic trading as well by this time. Right. So there was a slight difference in that trading model. Um, and we felt uh, NASDAQ is, is more efficient and a better partner in that way. Right. So that's the very specific product, quote unquote, yeah. that the company is buying into yeah. but then there's others uh, other things that go into that and you know that would be the overall relationship and you know we offered marketing uh assets to them uh, so they could go and ring the bell and be you oh, know nice. on the tower in times square and um you know also get services um you know because when you go public you know you have to do quarterly filings and you know you're subject to more sec regulation so yeah. we provided products that made that more smooth and streamlined right. um, so really the differences were slight if you will a lot of companies would say okay how am I supposed to make this decision you know it's you know because both trade stock right yeah stock exchange the NASDAQ so both do efficiently at some point um, you know um, at the end of the day the trade the stock is traded uh, so what is the difference you know and that that begged the question okay what assets other than the trading asset do you have to provide yeah. us what um what is the history of like of the history behind I IPOs briefly and and how did those come about um you know um it goes back, um, you know, I don't want to say to the beginning of of uh, New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you know, I think it's um a hundred plus years old, right at this point. Um, and uh, you know it's a a vehicle um, you know that give it gives access for people like you and I to um, trade these companies and you know we're providing capital for these companies so the company does have a choice to stay public or to stay private or go public mm -hmm. um, but but again it's good for the company um, because it's an infusion of capital if you will yeah. so they grow yeah. Um, we benefit from that. Um, you know, there are gains and there's losses. Uh, so 
I don't know how far back it goes. That's a good question. Um, but because I didn't work for the New York Stock Exchange, I probably, <laughs> uh, I know that the first stock that went, uh, first company that went public on NASDAQ yeah. was Intel yeah. uh, back in 1971. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, and that's when NASDAQ me. was born in 1971. Yeah. Um, and um, I think, like, uh, you know, like, just wanting to hear your opinion about, like, how much access nowadays we have to even trade stocks and how much even young, how much even younger people and younger generation are um, able to do this compared to maybe some early time in earlier time in your career. Um, how do you think this affects potentially like outcomes and what we're going to see in the future? Um, you know, I think more and more people have access, uh, to the stock market, um, through, you know, products like mutual funds, let's say. So, you know, where you can have a diverse portfolio of stock, um, you know, when you're buying individual stocks, some of those prices are high. Um, but again, through TD Ameritrade, uh, Charles Schwab, other trading venues like that, uh, you know, you can easily make a trade and set up an account. So I encourage all people, you know, whether it's, you know, $100 or, you know, $100,000 uh, to start investing. Nice. In Thank the stock so market, yeah. yeah. So there, I would research, you know, definitely, you know, not just the individual stocks, but other products that um, pull together um, a, a pool of stocks, if you will. Or, yeah, a portfolio, yes. a diversified portfolio. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Great. So um, at this point, then you have decided to move on and fund uh, your own company Everly James. Yes. I'm super excited to talk about that. Talk to us about that transition and what was that like to make that choice? Well, I made it in the middle of COVID, so that was always fun, right? Um, and the, the world changed um, a year and a half ago. Um, but I've been at NASDAQ uh, for 15 years, and it was at a point in my career where I thought, you know, let's transition um, and let's go into something else. I, you know, is again, I'd had a great long career at NASDAQ. I yeah. had a great long career at uh, a mutual fund company. And, yeah. you know, together that, you know, was almost 40 years. Um, and just working with all these wonderful founders and startups, I thought, why not? You know, let's think about what I can provide or a company that I can form that can be, you know, positive and helpful and um it's been fun it's it's been fun but challenging so yeah. <laughs> not for the the faint of heart <laughs> so um how did you decide on ever everly james so i uh, sorry about that my phone keeps mm. ringing <laughs> it's a busy morning <laughs> so um i um you know wanted to help younger women um, and what what skill sets did I have what um, product could I bring forth and in today's market with you know the lifestyle companies with the internet with Instagram you know it is easy to get a company up and running yeah and, and I'm pulling up your, oh, great. your your website here so that people that are watching on YouTube and on video can check it out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was, um, Everly James is named after my parents. 
Um, yes. And, uh, you know, in honor of them. And it's, it's really a simple concept that I wanted to reach out and um, empower women, again, in particular, uh, to empower themselves. Um, and one way to do that is getting in touch with yourself and grounding yourself with your five senses. Yes. And it's something that we all have within us. So you and I at any given moment um, can, you know, look around and see, you know, the beautiful trees and listen to the birds chirping and, you know, smell the beautiful smells of nature. And um, it really does focus and bring in um, your, your being um, yeah. to yourself and nice. to the present. Um, and where did you learn this, by the way, the skill about using your senses to ground uh, yourself and others? Um, I think it was really through, um, you know, COVID. Um, and, you know, we were all isolated to a certain effect. And, um, you know, it's just like taking in your surroundings day in and day out and looking at your walls or your couch or your kitchen and, and your bedroom and saying, okay, does this motivate me? Does this, you know, make me happy and filled with joy? And um, if not, there, there are things I can do to change that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, picking up on your sensory capabilities, again, which we all have, you know, it really brought me back to the present. And I thought, why can't everyone know about this, which we all do to a certain extent, but it, it isn't, not that it doesn't come naturally, but we don't think of it consciously. So I really want to raise the consciousness of how do we interact with the world and what products, because I want to bring consumerism into this, because yeah. that's really how we live every day. We need shelter. We need food. We, you know, have activities. And while we're going throughout the day, why can't we have a house, let's say, that we were spending a lot of time in? Why can't we have a house that fills us with joy? And it's mm -hmm. a, as simple as, oh, the paint on the wall, it's it's white. You know, maybe I'll splash um, yellow on the walls and that will make me feel energized and happy because, you know, there's, you know, all sorts of studies on color and how that affects your mood. Yeah. So really it's the little things I'm trying to bring into focus. And mm -hmm. then what I've done is curated products. Mm -hmm. So let's take for example, smell, mm -hmm. you know, a diffuser and the essential oils of lavender, let's, mm -hmm. let's call it and the soothing effects it has, you know, why shouldn't I have that you know, on and, and it's a, it's a health benefit, right? It's a natural substance, you know, mm -hmm. don't go out and spray air freshener or some chemical, um, you know, what are you putting into your body also? Mm -hmm. Um, and that elevates, you know, yourself, uh, because there's negatives and positives, you know, energy is all around us. And that's what we want to get in touch with. Are we interacting in a positive environment? Are we acting in a negative environment? You know, that includes obviously people, uh, but it also includes your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you, you, you mentioned it. You said it's the best. Like we go through life making these choices about these things, but we don't really pay attention to it, or we do it unconsciously. Mm -hmm. um, and the way 
I the, the way it resonated with me was about making decisions with purpose or you know more consciously like you said yes intent. Um, yeah with intent which means that instead of picking up any candle or picking up any smell or picking up any fabric I really think a little bit longer a couple more seconds about hey how, how is this gonna make me feel in my space mm-hmm. in my life in my everyday today as I interact with it Yes, absolutely. And that there are products out there that, you know, can enhance that. And so that's why I've curated a smaller list. I've, you know, curated it by the five senses. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, in touch, let's say, you know, I have soft, cozy blankets or sweatshirts and tactile type of products. Um, and, you know, again, if you're sitting on your couch and let's say your couch was you know, given to you by your grandmother and it's floral and, you know, not the right colors, but okay, I'm saving money, you know, uh, by using grandma's couch. But in effect, you know, if there's negativity attached to that, right, like whether it's color, whether it's because it's old, um, that does not benefit you, you know, Mm -hmm. there is energetic, you know, um, positive negatives going on um Mm -hmm. and it's something let's say you sit on every day you should go out and buy a new couch that effectively you know lifts your spirits instead of bringing that down Mm, nice yeah i like that and you have that ability to do that right um you know yeah I mean, go out and buy into, especially in today's environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, I would say, I would say, yeah. Like, I would say, like, a lot of people are taking care of themselves a lot more, and yes. you know, could be as small. I would say, it could be as small as going onto your website and looking at the sense of smell, for example, and starting with something like it doesn't have to be super big, but it could be, you know, um, one of the candles, the candles that you have in your collection. And yes. then um, upgrading um, to a couch, through you know, yeah. things and like to, that. To, to, to clothing, uh, to cosmetics, mm-hmm. to skincare, to hair products. And again, these are, you know, brands that I feel, you know, align with our values mm-hmm. also. So, you know, our values and we select products based on, you know, how innovative they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are they doing to um, intentionally uh, bring this product forth? Nice. Um, and, you know, it's inclusive, you know, so it really, you know, it's their values and our values. Do they align? Is it a quality product? Mm-hmm. Um, and who are the founders? So it's it's going deeper into that product as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like, um, I've heard, uh, and I really like this trend about curation. Like, mm-hmm. I think the the science or the, you know, the theory behind it is that um, there's so much content on the internet. We get super overwhelmed with the amount of products and things that we, we have to go. And then all of a sudden we don't buy anything because even though we were looking for something that was going to make us feel good in the end, there's too much. And I don't know what to pick and I don't know how to differentiate. Um, things like that and so I really love what you're doing with the curation portion of it because you basically do that homework for me Mm -hmm. in some sort of way and I can just get to your site and really uh, buy into you know who you are as a company who you are a Pam and how you picking this how are you picking this this brands and this Mm -hmm. products Mm -hmm. Uh, 
makes it easy for a, a consumer, I would say. Is that what yeah. you also Yeah, and that's what I, well? yes, that's what, because there's so many choices out there. And yeah. as you said, you know, and that takes time, you know, yeah. to go through the different websites and uh, what do I really want? And also when you're looking at it through the lens of your five senses, you really, you know, choose more wisely. Mm. Um, you know, because, okay, does the color resonate with me? You know, get in touch with how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does the, the you know, the sound resonate with me? Um, does the, you know, the, the um, touch, you know, like, is it, is it soft? Is it not soft? And, you know, how does that make you feel on the inside? And mm-hmm. if it doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy and good, then maybe you should pass on it. Even if let's say your best friend likes that product it, and it's quality, you know, it, it's not that it's not quality or the mission behind the company isn't great, but there are certain things that may not resonate with you. Mm. And so that means you can pass on that. But I think if you look at it through the lens of the five senses, you're going to make better choices. I love that. Thank you so much. What are, what are the uh, plans for the future of Everly James? coming to an end here in 2021 jumping into 2022 what do you have in store yeah great great question again you know um it's only been a year since i founded the company and it has whizzed by um and so you know we have the foundation built um you know go to our instagram go to our website um, you know, we have TikTok as, as well. So we're reaching out and building a community um, and that takes time. But the next step is to build out a product um, through an app. So I'm going to be working with designers and um, engineers and seeing if we can get a product um, out and, and that being an application um, that, again, you can easily access, you know, what we bring forth, uh, but also make it fun and interactive. So stay tuned for that. Um, you know, it won't it won't be tomorrow. It, it yeah. takes a while to build out. Uh, an app if you if you can believe it it doesn't happen um, overnight month. it takes about a year so uh, I'll be working on that nice uh, well congratulations and um, I look forward to using that if you have to, if you had to give us a sense of the vision of Everly James and where if you know if you could have everything in the world where were where would it be as a product as a brand or as a, what are you trying to build are you trying to build an end-to-end integration from manufacturing to to placement or are you going a different route that i cannot even imagine yeah so um you know my goal is to be a global company um to reach as many individuals um, maybe the primary target is younger women but it is really individuals Mm -hmm. to empower themselves that they really tap into their energy and that they are if you want to use a woohoo term you know vibrating at their highest level so really if you look at life you know the two emotions that we tap into all the time are love and fear Mm -hmm. if we can be focused on the loving you know, portion more so than the fear because the fear brings you down. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, brings out anger and hate and all those things that we want to try to overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a society, if individually we are really 
you know, working on all cylinders, if you will, um, it can be a better world. Nice. That's yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Are you ready for your outro questions? Sure. All right. So, uh, what is one thing that we don't know about you? I am a twin, an identical <laughs> twin. So I was born a twin. <laughs> There's two of me. What is a book you have gifted the most? Um, you know, I have a book um, that is called um, Nourish, which is a book, again, about nourishing your your physical body, your mental body, um, and it, it has three women that give their viewpoints, whether it's yoga, whether it's nutrition, uh, whether it's how you live, you know, in your current environment. Um, but it's, it's a great book that really, again, just like through my five senses, it's focusing in, you know, on, okay, what do you eat? You know, uh, how do you take care of your body? Um, and, and it, it's just a great little book that I enjoy uh, and gift out to my friends. Um, is that, uh, let's see, is that the one with the vegetables in the cover or does it have some mint leaf? Um, you know, is it by Reshma, Reshma Shab and Brenda Davis and David L? Do you know, do you remember? No, it's by, uh, I have it right here. Sadie Frost and Amber Rose. Okay. Um, Sadie Frost. Okay. There, there are so many nourish books. I didn't realize. Okay, great. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, next question is, what is a book you would write? Wow, that is a great question. What is a book I would write? I think it would be along the lines of, you know, you have it within your power to really, you know, go out and do good in the world and, you know, and live and enjoy, right? We don't, not that you know, there's struggles in life, right? Yeah. But how we approach them and overcome them. And um, we're all capable of, of living really a joyful life. And how do you do that? Love it. That's really good. Um, and um, what is one thing you want the audience to remember about this conversation? Really that you have it within yourself to, you know, um, guide your life as you see. And, you know, that, that everybody has a purpose and, um, especially, you know, whether it's, it's women, uh, that are entering the workforce, um, you know, whatever you want to do, you can accomplish. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Pam, for Thank being you. on the podcast, Thank for coming on twice. Yes, <laughs> back yes. To back. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. A lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you so much. And best of luck with Everly James. I look forward to um, learning more from you about the five senses and how we nourish them and be in higher vibrations. Great. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye-bye. There you have it. I hope you liked this episode and please don't forget to share, like, comment on the podcast link. Tell all your nitros and friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for guests at Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. 
You can find all this information on www.unboss.io. See you next time. Oh, that was good.